0: Hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning in to the first edition of the Silicon LE SkyTrain podcast. I'm Travis Todd, one of the co-founders of Silicon Alley. If you don't know Silicon Alley and would like to learn more about what we do for startups and investors and tech, the tech community here in Berlin, stay tuned to the end of the podcast. Those who already know us probably want to get right to the good stuff. But first I'm going to say a word about SkyTrain since this is our first podcast. Skytrain is our new transatlantic investor network. We are working with our friends at the city of Berlin's New York office to connect LPs in the US with funds based here in Berlin. But we're open to anyone who can help us grow that network and support the mission. Our goal is to highlight how awesome Berlin is as a startup city and support new emerging fund managers here in the city and ultimately bring more investment into funds based in Berlin. And we're trying to build a really high quality, top level network and doing that through two different things, events and content. First, we're hosting a series of events in the US over the next year, as well as many here in Berlin, bringing great people back and forth for each. So if you'd like to join those events and meet your fellow investors, successful founders, and LPs, reach out to us or visit siliconali.com SkyTrain for more info. The second major mission of SkyTrain is to produce content to make the lives easier of investors in Berlin and investors investing into Berlin. And that first piece of content is what you're listening to right now. This podcast uh, will be on the topic of running uh, investment syndicates. Uh, This interview was recorded with Nicholas Janssen, the co-founder of Blinkist, on July 5th during our first SkyTrain members meetup. And as it's our first podcast, it may be a bit rough around the edges, but we still hope it's very informative and that you enjoy it. Without further ado, on to the show. I want to first give Nicholas the opportunity to give a quick short overview of himself and his entrepreneurial journey and his investment history.
1: Cool. Thank you, Travis. And, and thanks for having me. Um, already we briefly talked about syndicates in the breakout, and I'm gonna tell you in a second why I'm so excited about this topic. But yeah, real quick about myself. So I studied business, worked in MA consulting after university, and then came together with like three friends from university to co found Blinkist in 2012. And Blinkist. For those of you who don't know it, it's, it's an ad tech company. We, some, uh, we basically provide the key insights from nonfiction books and text and audio. So for everyone who's short on time or curious to learn more and explore books, Blinkist is a perfect app yeah, to do that. We started in 2012. That was when Berlin and the venture scene looked very different than it looks today. So back then, I think you had like three investors. And you could either choose if you go, go left to Christoph Mayer or right to Early Bird and if they didn't fund you pretty much there was not much money left for you so the ecosystem has has grown obviously like crazy over the last 10 years and was really cool to to observe i started doing angel investments in 2018 Uh, and since then i've done around 25 investments uh, mostly pre-seed seed seed stage companies and besides investing and cheering for the founders what i really love is like working together with the founders try to help them think through problems also share my experience and expertise and also my network if if that's helpful. And like more or less end of last year, I started building a syndicate. And what I did was I brought together a group of 10 to 15 founders from Berlin and like London. And I said, I'm gonna bring deals. I'm gonna tell you why I'm excited about this deal. And then every one of you can can decide if they wanna co-invest or not. So we did, I think four or five deals over the last six months, roughly always between 250 to 500,000 euros, picked a few great companies, some of them are raising follow-on runs right now uh, which i think the current market environment is, is amazing um and yeah i got really excited about the topic of yeah kind of like building a syndicate because first it gives as a, you as a syndicate leader obviously it gives you leverage because you can invest bigger amounts um if, compared to when you invest individually but also and i think i said this earlier is one of the things that i found super cool is that it gives people an access to venture deals or to startup deals Gives, gives access to these people who normally don't have access to investing in startups. So we have a bunch of people who would never be able to get into these deals, but through the syndicate, they were able to chip in some money and participate in the upside of these companies. And that's one of the things what I funds, for example, it's like the idea of democratizing venture capital and giving more people access to these deals. So maybe can I, I stop here because otherwise we run out of questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <All the time. laughs> thanks, Nicholas.
0: Yeah, that's no, great. I, I think um, I'll, I'll walk it back just just one step. Just I, I mean, I know we have a group of sophisticated people here, but just in case we have some, you know, newbies, I wanted to quickly go over what actually a syndicate is. Syndicates also are called special purpose vehicles or SPVs, and they're essential, essentially, legally. Entities, companies that are set up for the sole purpose of collecting a group of investors, as Nicholas mentioned, into one entity and then investing it into a startup. And this has the benefits, like lots of benefits, like you said, like uh, putting a bunch of investors into one line on a cap table instead of a bunch of individual investors, allowing investors who couldn't participate to participate. But it also comes with some challenges, which I think we'll we'll get into as well. But is there anything else you wanted to add just on the basic concept of, of syndicates before we dive into the
1: details? Yeah, I think it's like it's these two levels, right? There's this like more unstructured level, which is more a community of investors that, that actively look at deals together and then make an investment decision case by case. Um, and then there's the legal structure, which is the SPV, which used to, you use know, to like which you use to do the syndicate, which is one line on a cap table, where you pull the money. Um, and then execute a deal yeah Yeah, i think the what i like the the more informal level where you just have a group of people that you share deals with is it's obviously the more important thing because the the legal side is then kind of pre-standard these days
0: yeah so let's get into that like how when the practical aspect so you found a kind of a group of of people that might be interested and you found a good investment deal then what do you do next how do you how do you yeah. kind of get the deal out to people and get them involved?
1: So what I usually what I usually do or what I did is so I find a deal, I, I get excited about the deal, then I write up a memo. So try to really kind of like do a lot of work already before I start before I share the deal. So I write a memo, and and then I write a draft an email. Then I basically have like a Notion document with all the emails from people that um, said they would be interested in seeing deals i write an email, say, this is why I'm excited about the deal. Here's, the, motion, here's the, the investment memo, and then just shoot out the email. And then you start getting responses. I do a follow-up uh, like three days later. Um, and then after seven days, normally I close to the, the syndicate and the round. And so, yeah, it's kind of writing a memo and then just a lot of email and calls.
0: So you get the commitment first from the company on how much you're going to raise, or do you kind of figure yeah, that out
1: as um, you go? I guess it's kind of like a dance that you have to do a little bit. So you like, as soon as you have a list of potential co-investors in the syndicate, you start getting a feeling of how much you can invest, right? So like, if you have 20 people that normally chip in 2,000 euros, then you know you will never be able to do more than 40,000. But if you have like some other people on the list, you get a feeling for how much people willing to commit. And depending on the deal, you can also maybe judge a little bit of how much interest is gonna be there for a deal. So based on this information, and is mostly just gut feeling, I negotiate the allocation with the company and say like, here's what I think I can get from the syndicate. Are you willing to give me this allocation? And I say, yeah. So normally I do a range. And then I go to, to my co-investors, to my syndicate partners, pitch the deal, and then see how much we get. And then basically it's like a back and forth communication between me and the founder saying, okay, this is where we spend. I think we're going to reach the allocation. We maybe even oversubscribe, can have more allocation. So it's kind of like, like a lot of communication and I learned just like being transparent and honest with the founders and tell them exactly what I'm going to do and what they can expect from me always helped to collect to like many the allocation in the end.
0: And is there any, any kind of hesitation from the, the startups themselves like for having maybe people in the round that they wouldn't necessarily want in the round? Or is that, uh, do they kind of just trust you to bring in great people? Or is that kind of level of level involvement obstricated a little bit by
1: this, this, the structure of the syndicate itself? So, so no one was ever concerned about like the, all the people that joined the syndicate. I think what I, the way I pitched it always like here are a few people that usually invest with me, um, or here are a few people that might be like they already said they're going to be interested in this deal. I can try, I will try to get them on board, and they will be help you. They will be helpful to you for X, Y, Z, and this is exciting. And I think the way the founders looked at the syndicate is like there are maybe twenty investors. Three, for, three of them are going to be value-add. The other 17 are interesting, but maybe not value-add for my company, but they're part of the syndicate. So it's mostly about like having a few people that send out to the founders in your, in your syndicate. And then it doesn't really matter who else is going to invest. Cool. And why would, I mean, is there a reason why investors
0: would prefer to, jo- I mean, you mentioned the kind of smaller investors, which makes yeah. sense, right? I can invest, with, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have access to the deal, but for the for the more established angel investors, is there a reason they would you know prefer joining a syndicate and not directly co-investing with it uh, in a round?
1: So I think a lot of people use syndicates to just source interesting deals because it's like it's a full-time job sometimes to to source deals. So people just like say, well, I'm I want to do angel investments. I want to allocate company, uh, money into ca- uh, capital into startups, but I don't want to spend my whole day sourcing and evaluating deals. I'm very happy if I have people that do that for me, and they're going to kind of just get the opportunity to invest. That's one group. There's of obviously also like because not everyone sees every deal, um, and if we find a deal that no one else saw, and we we wanted an allocation in the deal, but the might be oversubscribed. There's technically no other way for for the investor to invest into the deal because the syndicate has the allocation. And then, yes, you said there's this third group that. Are we done has not enough capital to to fulfill the requirements on the startup many startups like started at twenty twenty five thousand euros minimum check size, uh, and then they use the, their syndicate to to be able to get access to these deals um, by inv- with, with investing less than the minimum amount. Okay
0: cool. yeah, so it's kind of built in built-in foMO there. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and then um. What kind of startup have you found that, is there like a certain kind of startup that's either domain or stage or, or a mix of investors that's better suited to syndicates
1: than others? So one thing I learned is that people don't, because it's a deal by deal decision, people don't care so much about me. They really care about the deals. And, and I think that's good. That's how it should be. The deals that work really well for syndicates, they are either like a really strong co-founding team, maybe zero entrepreneurs, proof points that this team can really build something amazing, some type of traction and or a strong lead investor. So like these three elements, in the best case, you have two out of three of these three things, then it's like these these syndicates fill up pretty quickly. If you don't have any of that, then uh, usually the syndicates don't fill up or it's going to be a very slow process. So it's the team, traction and co-investors or lead investor. Cool. And then
0: are there any other like benefits for the startup or for the investors of a of a syndicate i mean we mentioned one line on the cap table i guess practically um it's only also one one communication point you as the syndicate <clears throat> lead or the person kind yeah. of in charge i'm guessing uh, yeah. as well any any other benefits you could kind of uh, put out there to say this is why startups should be happy to take money from syndicates
1: well yeah, because they did tap into a network of 10 15 20 investors and like they can always like one thing we always try to do is kind of connect like if there was a reason to connect the investor with the like the co-investor with the startup then we would do that the same way when the, the startup had a question kind of was looking for like to fill a certain position or like to hire a certain position or looking for an idea or marketing we would also kind of like ask our network and, and if you ask 20 people chances are higher that you get a good answer than if you just ask one person so I think there is a power of of the network when you get a syndicate uh, on the cap table.
0: Yeah, really cool. Really cool, like built-in network effects. Like a little bit, yeah. And then are there like any challenges you've seen with that structure that? Yeah,
1: so from a syndicate organizer or lead position, probably the biggest challenge is that it's, like it's built into syndicate, but it's a deal by deal vehicle. So basically for every deal, you have to raise money. Yeah. And. Like one thing I noticed is that you start screening a little bit differently because I understand, Like I, start, I started learning what type of deals work well and which ones doesn't. And one of the, the questions I asked myself, always like, okay, will this deal work as a syndicate? And I, I noticed that just like I, I'm more, I want to make the deals that I strongly believe in, not the deals that I believe in and that work well as a syndicate. So that was one of the challenges that I saw. And then, of course, it's like a lot of operational work. You have to create this SPV every time you... You have to for technically for decisions because it's an investment club, you have to get like approval from your co-investors for like major decisions if you sign, like sign documents for a follow-on round, for example. So it just creates a lot of overhead for the for the syndicate lead. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, well that's I think we have a few more minutes in this in this QA and but I want to end on a final question here. What is your benefit then for going through all that as a syndicate lead? I mean, obviously there must be something in it for you, right? For all of the so so future she, syndicate leads here.
1: Yeah, so so obviously the first benefit is that you can invest, like obviously in my case, I was able to invest bigger amounts than what I usually would do if I invested individually. Um, and this gives you kind of like a bigger place in the cap table. And therefore, I also had like a, a bigger sense of ownership. But then also economically, the syndicates often work like a venture fund, so you get a carry on on the on the returns so or you get a preferred return. Like usually it's 20% the same as a venture fund. And that's probably the economic reason to do it. And then for me, it was also partly purpose, because as I said earlier, I just love the idea of, of bringing people together to, to join a deal. You can share the wins, that's also cool, but also you give people access to deals that usually don't have access to these deals. And that was also, for me, at least, it was really fulfilling to, to know that some people were able to invest into startups that usually didn't weren't able to invest. Yeah, super exciting. Cool,
0: well, we'll be... Back after a little break with another Q&A session and some closing remarks. Cool. Thanks, Nicholas. All right, everyone, welcome back. We're gonna kick it off here for the second half with a few more questions with Nicholas. And then I see some questions got dropped into the the chat as, as well. We finished up the last segment about what was the benefit for the syndicate lead in running a syndicate. But now I wanna ask what's the benefit for the investors? You know, what happens at the at an exit event for the syndicate? Do they typically um, return earlier or at the same time as a typical venture investment. Have you seen any exits yet, Nicholas? Can
1: you talk to that? So we started investing last year, so we haven't seen any exits yet. But like there, the syndicate acts. I think the the way I always thought about it's like we act more like angel investors and not like VCs. So although we have we might have prorata rights, we're not forced to to do prorata, which a lot of VCs are like sometimes forced to in terms because of the signaling for follow on round. And it also means that we could sell earlier than maybe most VCs. So that's probably like a case-by-case decision. There could be a benefit of getting out earlier or being able to sell in a series B or C stage uh, where most VCs won't be able to sell, but uh, that, that's TBD. Yeah, I think, yeah. Like there was like a second question, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is like, do you have any preferred terms as a syndicate or do you usually kind of just go in at the same terms as the rest of the, the angels <clears throat> in the round?
1: Yeah, so... I like it like, strongly depends on, on the syndicate and on the deal. Since we, we like to invest very early, kind of pre-seed, seed, we off, like, sometimes we were the first commitment and therefore got the, most, the best terms and everyone else could, like, invested at a higher valuation. But if, there are also syndicates that invest into Series A companies, even like some pre-IPO stage companies, and I don't think that they get prefer, preferred, return, like preferred uh, terms or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And you don't, do, don't typically do like follow-on rounds. As well, right? So it's...
1: Well, that can happen. I think yeah. if there's, if there, like we, we get the same terms as as, as the investors, and so we have pro rights if if they exist. um mm-hmm. And then we could also spin up another syndicate. You got to even like I think there are like some sometimes I haven't done this, but I I've heard that you can even sell shares within a syndicate. So someone is said like, I want to get out now could sell to someone else in the syndicate to who says, I want to double down because I like the company. No, so, so you can also syndicate you. You can, can do Parada um, and follow on runs. Then okay. You're very flexible. Like that's, think of it like you're, doing, you're an angel investor just with like a, a bigger pool of capital and, and a few people behind you.
0: Yeah, cool. That was one of my questions too. Like what happens if an investor, you know, needs to pull their capital or somehow like, yeah. I don't know, you know, wants to get out, but that sounds like it's a flexible structure where that could kind of happen behind the scenes. And
1: yeah.
0: Cool. Good. And then um, since we are kind of like U S Berlin focused here, do you have any, or have you worked with any U S investors into your syndicate? Is there any complications there or uh, you have any experience with that?
1: So we, we did. We don't have. We didn't have any U.S. investors, and there are some complications which I don't can. I can't explain one hundred percent. But we looked into this, and some people were like, "Don't do it." I think there's like there's one probably the same the same complications that exist if a U.S. investor wants to invest into a German-based fund. There are like some tax some tax topics, and um, which makes it a little bit more difficult. And then also, I think we we used Vauban for our SPVs, and they're usually. They sit in, in the UK, these, these SPVs are created in the UK. There are some, some disadvantages for US investors investing into a UK-based entity. I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, it's not as, as straightforward as your, for European investors. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, and then have you ever... I, I want to get back to that uh, platform question as well, but just to finish up on this transatlantic discussion, have you ever invested or... You know, do you know anybody who's invested the other way around, so into a, a syndicate in the U.S.?
1: So I have invested into a few syndicates on Angelist. So yeah, that's like I know a lot of people who who invest into AngelList syndicates, and they are I think all hosted in the U.S., often U.S.-based companies. So yeah, that that exists, for that's more common. That way is more common, and maybe it's mostly because of the infrastructure that exists on the U.S. side. With like Angelist, you have such a short platform uh, that allows syndicate like investors to invest in the syndicates which is still missing in europe there's a few companies that are building it and probably going to talk about this in a second
0: (laughs) you've Um, segued beautifully there for me (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's that's i think that's definitely a big topic is this this infrastructure this kind of venture as a service and as uh just mentioned in 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 our chat and there's been news that carta just recently acquired valbon valbon um is also uh, agreed to, to partner with us on, on SkyTrain, and you, you mentioned you use them as well. There are other services like AngelList in the U.S. There's Odin, as well, um, and then also uh, I think a company like a company called Further just launched in uh, in the U.K. If I'm not mistaken, to to do similar sort of structures. We haven't seen one spin itself up in Germany yet. I think that's a big, uh,
1: a big legal one.
0: challenge. Yeah,
1: it's called Bunch. 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 I think it's Bunch.io. They really do what, what Robin does. They do it, but they do it in Germany instead of German entities.
0: Okay, cool. A little, a little bit
1: different in terms of business model, but yeah, same. Okay, thing.
0: and how, and, and, and you said, so you've been using Valban, who um, yeah. was also, I should say, supporting us and sponsoring this event today and supporting the SkyTrain network. But I'm curious to hear about your experience there. Um, is, it, is it pretty seamless in terms of like managing the, managing the, the communication, the documentation, the, the setup and everything as well?
1: Yeah, so I would say that Bobin was the, so I've been thinking about doing a syndicate for a while, but I couldn't really answer myself the question how to do like the whole process, how to set up the entity. So I basically postponed it. And then we found Bobin. That was kind of like the thing that tipped us over to do syndicates again, because it's, and I like, this might sound like marketing, but I'm just like very happy with the product. It's, it's very easy to create an SPV. Like you basically just like, you can create it with one click on a website. You can like define all the terms for the SPV. Then you can invite investors, they manage the whole KYC and AML process. And then everything is created. Like you just tell them, why the money to this this bank address? Um, And then everything is taken care of. And they do do everything on the backend. They like, I have have zero work with the syndicate itself, with the the admin side of the syndicate. And I can really focus on supporting a company and communicating with my LPs. And they have a data room where you can put all the data in there. but I would also say just to, to make it more fair thing, all like at least Bunge is very similar in terms of product. Odin, I don't know yet, but um, I think they all offer more or less the same at the end of the day. Or they want to offer the same at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I guess the the question is where they kind of where the entity is also located, right? Because then you're yeah. dealing with UK-based entity versus Luxembourg-based entity versus yeah. German-based entity and the reporting and kind of legal it, requirements there.
1: Yeah, it's probably like, yeah, so I think it's, it's really important to understand how these, these entities are created and what type of entity, entity is created, probably too much for, for five minutes to go through that, but if you consider doing a syndicate, I would really spend some time understanding the structures, so I will look at the documentation they provide, because yeah, they're, they're, there's pros and cons for, for every service and for every location, I think you and end have just to make a, a call what you are willing to accept and whatnot.
0: And also, can funds also invest into
1: syndicates? I think, yeah. I don't I, like. I don't know. I'm like I'm, I'm. not the expert on the topic. I I didn't have a fund investing, but we had a few GMBHS and coca guys. People are just said like, who put money investing into our vehicles. So I think it's possible. Yeah, so it makes sense. Think, yeah. yeah, It's it's important. These are this is not this is we like this runs as an investment club, right? So we have twenty people. We know each other. We, I don't do marketing for the syndicates, so don't pub, put it on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Um, and I think as long as there's like a connection, you can, you can also invest as a fund.
0: Okay. We did have one question from, from Philip, who I think also had to leave, but he asked if uh, BAFA Invest or I, EIF is probably not possible with syndicates. You know anything about that or?
1: So BAFA Invest is not possible. That I know for sure. Can you explain yeah. what that is for the, the uninitiated? By I the think BAFA Invest is, is a program that if your startup qualifies for, for BAFA Invest, you as an angel investor can get back 20 or 25% of your investment if you hold your shares so for longer than three years or something like that. Mm-hmm. But since the syndicate is like you like the syndicate is basically holding your shares, and not you as the angel investor, you don't qualify for BAFA. And I would assume the same is then for EIF which I can't explain. hope someone else could, can explain it in detail. I have been, I have I've seen it a few times, but I think it's also UK. It's for UK investors, right? Not for German investors.
0: I'm not sure either. And I mean, I believe EIF is the European Investment Fund, right? So, or is that something else? <laughs> We well, don't know, I know, and we're not lawyers. I'll we'll have to also like specify. Yeah. Say but, we're, uh, there are some lawyers, I think, in the, in the group somewhere. Um, uh, definitely in the network, uh, we can recommend you to to uh, some great lawyers in so, Berlin to help with that. So, but um, so I guess
1: the question is like, if, if because I know the there's a program from the European Investment Fund to mirror angel investments. I have no idea if that works with the syndicate or not. I assume not because the syndicate, again, is not really an angel investment, but a group of angel investors, but um, I, I can't answer.
0: Great. Uh, we have one more question that came in. How often do you invest as a syndicate in a year?
1: It's comp- it depends on how many great deals we find. So that's, that's one of the beauties of a syndicate is that you, you don't have a bunch of capital that you have to deploy you just like for us it's very opportunistically if we find a great company uh and we get a like our co-investors are excited and we do a syndicate if not we don't do one well cool. and
0: then i'll have to ask like the the topical question of, of the of the year uh, when it comes to investment given the kind of economic situation in the world at the moment have you found that with your uh, group of investors there's more reluctancy to invest at the moment or still bullish on on
1: early stage I think it like it's a mix i would say so there are some people who, who remain bullish and say well now it's the best time to invest other people are more reluctant doesn't mean they're not doing any investments but they take longer to decide or they cut down uh, the allocation to startups and also, also honestly some people are not investing right now and that might be because say they, they just like they want to wait on how do you kind of make environment uh, develops but also i think a lot of, a lot of people lost a lot lost a lot of money <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah. just for, for now um i have to see, like maybe kind of cut some like recover some some losses and that's why we one of the reasons why i'm happy that i'm mostly invested into startups because they don't have a day like market price a daily market price so i right. might have lost a lot of money as well but i don't see it yet so i'm still, <laughs> you I'm still over pretty... a few more years <laughs>
0: yeah. great
1: all right well nicholas
0: thank you so much for joining us thank you for sharing so much information it's been a, it's been a pleasure And we'll be able to, you know, connect with you in the future. I'm sure if we have uh, other uh, deals, we'll be happy to share some deals within the network. Apropos, uh, we have a a Telegram group up here. You can scan this QR code and uh, join our Telegram group. Feel free to share some deals with other uh, investors or ask questions there. Again, we're hosting an event uh, in Miami with Nicholas and I at the end of the month. So if you have any contacts in Miami that are uh, investors or or LPs, we'd love to meet them. Um, we'd love to show them a Berlin good time and get them connected to our network. That's it. Thank you yeah. again, and hopefully uh, see you all again in a in a couple months or at our next uh, event here in Berlin in August in person.
1: Thank you, and I just like put in my link. You said like we are allowed to put our link, LinkedIn into the chat, right?
0: Absolutely. If you want to drop your your LinkedIn, your your Twitter, your I don't know uh,
1: my newsletter. Can I put my newsletter here too? No.
0: Yeah, your OnlyFans—I don't know—drop it in there.
1: That should be your Travis. <laughs> All, right, All
0: right, thanks everyone. Bye have, bye. A, have a great uh, rest of your day wherever you are. Thank you for listening to our first episode of the Silicon Alley Skytrain Podcast. We hope you enjoyed learning about investment syndicates. You can read more about the topic over on our website at siliconalee.com skytrain. As promised, if you don't know who or what Siliconalee is, I'm here to tell you now. Siliconalee started over 10 years ago as a blog about the Berlin tech scene and as a simple monthly meetup, just getting the international tech community together to meet one another. Today we're still running that same meetup every month on the first Tuesday of the month, but we're doing a lot more. We're funding the earliest-stage first-time founders through our Berlin Founders Fund. We give founders €2,000 per month for a year, we take no equity, and we connect them with our kick-ass worldwide network of successful founders, investors, and experts. All to help them get their products launched and get their first checks signed. We also help companies expand to Berlin through our residency programs. If you're looking to expand your business to Berlin, or if you're a government-funded development agency tasked with helping companies grow out of your home market, reach out and ask us how we can help. Also, stay tuned this year as we expand our opportunities for anyone in our global community to connect to the amazing pool of resources and network we've built over the last decade and through our Berlin Founders Fund and Residency programs. We'll be announcing this exciting new chapter in the fall of 2022. But the heart of Silicon Alley has always been connecting Berlin's amazing tech ecosystem with the rest of the world. We love helping international, diverse founders achieve their dreams in one of the coolest cities in the world. You can find us across all social media at Silicon Valley, that's Silicon A-L-L-E-E, or at siliconalley.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to hearing from you again soon.